That's it for announcements. We hope you enjoy the service. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here. And uh, I'm glad you woke up. And so, because apparently some people did not, especially on this side of the room. And so, uh, and I know that because you all are creatures of habit and you sit in the same seats every week. So next week we will shame all those people. So, uh, so we are in the second week of this James series. And uh, this is just a real practical series. And today is going to be super practical. And we are just going to talk about this faith that works and how it works in our life. But as we get started, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine and a friend of yours. There's a picture of him. Uh, that should come up. Yeah, right there. His name is Justice von Liebig. And Justice von Liebig lived in Germany in the 1800s. But the reason he's a friend of mine and a friend of yours, and the reason we should be so grateful to this guy, is because what this guy did was he invented something that most of us, if not all of us in this room, should be extremely grateful for. And what he invented was something that we had actually been using for about 8,000 years, uh, but it was something that had not been perfected yet. It was not something that was easily produced, and it was not something that offered the clarity that many of you in this room wish that this product had. But he came along in the 1800s, and he made this product, and in fact, we still basically use the exact same design that he created in the 1800s. And so what he created that all of us in this room should be grateful for is this, a mirror, right? And so he created the modern mirror, the ability for us to be able to take a look at ourselves to see what we look like. Now, by show of hands, how many of you guys have already used one of these this morning, right? By show of hands, how many of you have used every single one of these that you've passed this morning, right? It's become such a part of our culture, we don't even think about it. And so the thing about the mirror is the mirror gives us the ability to take a look at ourselves and to see what we actually look like, to see like, hey, this is what I look like today and this is what's going on. And so the mirror gives us the ability to see our image and to realize as we see our image that maybe there's some things that we need to fix. There's some things we need to do. There's some things we need to make right before we leave the house, correct? All right, and so here's the question for you. When you see yourself, what do you actually see? Okay, and so that's a little bit philosophical. I'm not just talking about your face anymore, all right? When you see yourself, what do you see? And when you look at your life, what do you see? Because for some of us, if we're honest, Some of the hardest moments of our life is when we've made choices or we've done things in life, and sometimes it's hard for us, and you've heard this expression before, to look at ourselves in the mirror, because what we see, we don't like. In fact, I would argue that many of us, if we're honest, I mean, when we look in the mirror sometimes, and not just physically the way we look, but when we look in the mirror sometimes, we see things in our life We see things that are incomplete. We see things that we've messed up on. I mean, there's not very many of us in this room that we look at ourselves, we're like, man, I'm nailing it, right? There's some issues. There's some flaws. And so James does this interesting thing. He gives us kind of this picture of kind of what this is like. Now, remember, James, when he does this, I mean, mirrors aren't readily available. You can't, I mean, I think this thing we bought at Walmart for like a dollar, like $4.99. I mean, this is, you know, I haven't taken the the sticker off yet. And, And so, I mean, these things are everywhere and you can buy them. But when he was doing this, I mean, this wasn't something that was so readily available. And so he's gonna paint this picture and here's what he says. In James chapter one, starting in verse 22. 
Don't just listen to God's word. Now, and what I want to do is say real quick, see, some of us were really good at that. Like we were here, um, some of us have grown up in church. We've been in church our entire lives. Uh, we read the Bible. We listen to Bible studies. We listen to worship music. We listen to podcasts. We, we do all of these things. We listen to God's word a lot, okay? But he says, don't just listen to it. And he goes on to say, you must do what it says. Well, there's the problem, right? Because sometimes the Bible tells me to do things that I don't like, or it offers suggestions of things that that maybe are difficult for us to do, especially in the world that we live in. So he says, otherwise, you are simply fooling yourself. And in fact, Jesus has this little interesting story we teach our kids, and we've talked about it before, where he says there's like one guy that builds his house, and he builds it on the sand because he thinks that it's easier, it's faster, but really that's like a foolish person. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. So I love the mirror analogy because let's just call it what it is. Let's be honest. There's not a lot of us in this room that woke up this morning, looked in a mirror and was like, that'll work, right? We, 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 we change things. We, we do things. Being bald, the one advantage is I don't have the problem that most of you guys have, right? But all of us, we see blemishes. We see things. We do our makeup. We, we look at our hair. We look at our body. We look at the clothes that we wear to make sure that it looks okay. And so what he's saying is there's not many of us, if we're honest, especially in our culture, that would look at a mirror, take a look at it, you know, and see a problem, see that our hair doesn't look good, See that our makeup doesn't look okay. See that this outfit doesn't look good or it's not flattering, right? You know, not many of us would look at that, see the problem and just walk away and not address the problem. And so James is kind of saying like, it's kind of the same way with your life that as you read the Bible, as you see what God says about us, um, maybe you should address it. In fact, here's what I would say. Um, When some of you guys do this in the morning and you have one of these and you look at one of these things, um, here's the thing. You will take as long as it takes, won't you? Some of you are late for church because you took too long looking at one of these things, right? And, and, and then you get in your car and, and you look at one of these things. And then some of us, I've seen it. You, you, these things have made it easy too because it's not a mirror, but it's kind of like a mirror. You'll take it, you'll flip the image, you'll make sure you look okay real quick, and then you'll get out of the room. I mean, how many ladies, I see you in my office, don't lie. Whenever you get out of your car, the last thing you do is drop that mirror, take a look, and then you walk out of the car, right? You'll take as long as it takes to look right. Some of us, In this room, if we're honest, we can't walk past one of these things without looking at it. You can't help yourself. I'm looking at you. Some of you are looking at yourself in this right now, aren't you? You can't help it. And so why, if we're so focused on our image, if we're so focused on the way we look and getting it right, I think this is what James is kind of saying, is, you know, the Bible is like a mirror. That when we look at our life, and me too, I'm the first to admit this, there's things that aren't right. There's things that need to be addressed. There's things that need to be fixed. And and so James is kind of saying, why wouldn't you take a look at that and then actually do something about it? Why wouldn't you actually take a look at that and and address that? And and, and so here's the thing. For for those of us that aren't Christians in this room, we're still figuring this out. uh, Today's going to be super practical. We're just going to take a look at a section of Scripture, uh, one of my favorite sections of Scripture. Uh, For those of us that aren't Christians, I think that you might get some good applications and some good ideas 
But for those of us that put our trust and our faith in Jesus, like what we're going to talk about today, like this isn't like when you get like way down the road and you're like the super mature Christian, like this is like 101 stuff. But this is stuff that's gotten lost in the church and in the culture that we live in when it comes to the way that we live. Because here, here's what I actually do believe. I believe that if we would actually take the time to look at ourselves in this mirror, this, this idea of what Jesus wants for us and the idea of the life that God has for us, um, here's what I believe. I believe that it would actually make us better at life. And in fact, Andy Stanley says this. He, he says, we believe that following Jesus will not only make your life better, but will make you better at life. It'll make you have healthier relationships, a healthy understanding of yourself and the people that you live with, a better respect for the people in your life. And so I could just say, okay, the mirror for us is just to be like Jesus. And that is the mirror. Our, our mirror, our goal is to be like Jesus. But what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a section of scripture. Um, it, it, again, it's one of my favorites. It takes place in Romans chapter 12. And in this section of scripture, why I love it so much is it's super practical. It's very Proverbs-like. So if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, Proverbs like all these little nuggets, just like bam, 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 bam. This is very similar in the way that Paul is writing. Now he's writing to the church in Rome who culturally are very struggling because the culture in Rome, very similar to ours, is might is right. You do everything for yourself. It's a very self-reflective culture and thinking about themselves and only thinking about themselves is a very selfish culture. And so he's having these Christians that are culturally having to navigate what it looks like to follow Jesus in a culture that doesn't follow Jesus at all. And so very similar to kind of the culture that we find ourselves in today. And so we're just going to walk through it, starting in verse 1, and I encourage you at some time to take a look at this outside of the day. So here's what he says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, so again, he's talking to the Christians, um, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Now that word bodies is, is really reflective of your life. So to give your life to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is the true, truly the way to worship him. And then we've used this verse before, in fact, recently. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. So he's using language and he's saying, look, look around the world, look at the customs, look at the behaviors for the Roman world and for our culture. Um, don't, don't do that. Like there needs to be something else. And the reality is that if we look at the behavior and customs of this world, and we talk about this all the time, it's not working, is it? Like, and not just for us, like for the culture, it's not working. And so he says, don't copy that. You have to do it. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And this goes into what we talked about before, that idea of the old and the new and becoming a new person. And for us, actually believing that the new is possible. Actually believing that we can look at ourselves in the mirror and realize that, you know what, that's not the way that I want to be and believing that it's possible for you to be something else. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given you, me, I, I must give each of you a warning, all right? And, and here's the warning, right? And you all aren't going to like this one, all right? Don't think you are better than you really are. We could just stop there, all right? Some of us think that we, we've got it nailed and we've got it nailed in this Christian life. And he says, don't fool yourself, right? Don't fool yourself, okay? And, and, he's, and, and listen, you should believe that you're an amazing person because you are. But, but you have to be honest with yourself in this evaluation. See, just like when we're looking in the mirror, and some of us, we look great. You guys look great. You look wonderful. You're at church. But, but you didn't start that way this morning, did you? And so you should believe in yourself, but don't always think that there isn't stuff that needs to be worked on. And he says this, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. And, and I think as we, we work through this, I think this is the word that I want to use. 
is we have to become more self-aware. We live in a culture where self-awareness is a lacking and fleeting thing, it feels like at times. We have to become self-aware of who we are as people and the way in which we live our lives and, and the influence and the impact that we have, not only when we think about ourselves, but also on the culture, the community, and even the households that we live in. Measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us, all right? And so here's where we get into it. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So this is the idea of saying, hey, we're all different. We all kind of have different backgrounds, different stories, but we all come together as one. So he's trying to unify us for us to see that what he's going to say next is, is it's an all skate. It's for everybody. In his grace, God has given each of us different gifts for doing certain things. Now, here, here's why I want to take a second and just talk about this one. Um, you have abilities and gifts that I don't have. And you have abilities and gifts that maybe the person next to you doesn't have. And what I love about the body of Christ, what I love about church, is it's this opportunity for us all to come together and to be able to use those gifts. Church doesn't function properly unless we're all doing it together. Me getting up and talking, the band getting up and singing, all all that stuff, it's great. But in order for the church to be the church, the body of Christ, it's all of us taking the gifts and abilities that God is giving us and using those things. Listen, you do not want me teaching children. You don't, okay? They they don't get my humor and it frustrates me. No, but you don't want me teaching kids. But some of you, you have the patience, you know, and all of these things. We go into all this stuff, but we have it. And, And so here's what he gives a list. And I hope that you find yourself in one of these things because I do believe that God has given you a gift. And so when you look in the mirror, it's all not all negative, Some of it's positive. Some of it is us realizing that we've been given gifts and abilities and that we can use those gifts and abilities for God. He says this, if your gift is serving, verse seven, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging to others, be encouraging. Some of you guys, um, you guys are encouragers, right? You are cheerleaders, right? You, you, you can do that. And listen, we need you to do that for each other. Like this is an important thing. Like this is not like a sad thing. This is important. All right. He says this, if it is giving. So if your gift is giving, go ahead and raise your hand. I want to see you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if your gift is giving, give generously. Raise a check, blank check in the air right now. If God has given you, I'm kidding. If God has given your leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. Some of you guys, and I don't want to call out names, but some of you guys, People just follow you. Like you're just a leader. Like people want to hear what you have to say. And, and you're the type of person that when you walk into a room, like, like you command the room with your presence and your words and these type of things. That is a gift from God and it needs to be used. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others. And I think this is one of those things that seems to be a fleeting value in our world. But some of you are great at it. So do it gladly. And so the first part of this, and I love that he starts this because the next part is going to be a little, a little, a little hard to hear. Um, but here's what he's saying. Like you guys, like you're amazing. Like you have gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you. And so when you look at yourself in the mirror, like realize what those things are and then ask the question, what can I do with those things? How can I offer those things back? Now this next part is the part that maybe you need to get out your phone or a paper and pencil or a receipt or something that you have. Um, and just write some of these things down, or you can just read it later, um, because here's the self-evaluation part. Here is the part where we have to take a look at ourselves um, and really ask ourselves some tough questions. And this is not just for you, this is for me as well. And here's what he says. 
Don't just pretend to love others. Some of us have gotten really good at that, haven't we? Don't just pretend to really love other people. Actually love them. Here's some handles for you. Love is not manipulation. And some of us have gotten really good at manipulating. Love is the ability to actually truly put someone else's needs first. Like that's like the whole definition of it is putting somebody else first and their needs. And, and, and so don't just pretend to, to love others. Like, do you actually really love people? Do you actually do this? And see, this one, we could, we could just stop here because I think for so many of us, and maybe we need to do a whole series on, on this chapter, but for so many of us, me included at times, like it's easy to pretend, it's easy to put a smile on my face, you know, but, but are we really loving these people? Or have we grown up in a culture where we smile, we give hugs, and then we talk about them behind their back? Or we walk away and say, well, that person's an idiot, you know? And and he says this, so so you got to love. And he says, hate what is wrong. Hate, so here's the question. Do you hate what's wrong in this world? Or do you just accept it? For example, I I don't know if you know this or not. um, Did you know on on average, and this happened yesterday, um, yesterday alone, over 10,000 children died from hunger and diseases that could have been prevented. 10,000. And last night in my home, I threw away probably three or to four boxes of leftovers that went bad, right? So that's like something that shouldn't exist in our world, but it it does. And and so we should hate it. It's wrong than anybody, but especially children, 10,000 of them, right? I don't want to get political or, or cause issues, but, but here's the thing. Um, it is wrong, and you should hate it, that anybody in our world and in our culture and our community would be looked down upon because of the color of their skin, where they were born, or what language they speak. Like, that's wrong, and we should hate it. It's evil. There is this song that we were taught as kids, and I don't know if you remember it, it says, Jesus loves the little children. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Maybe we need to open with that every week, just to remind ourselves. He says, hold tightly to what is good. And so you hate what is wrong, but the other side of that is hold tightly to what is good. And here's the thing. I know a lot of us in this room are holding tight to a lot of things. I don't know if good is one of them, right? We, we hold tightly to so many things in life that we just don't want to let go of. And I remember somebody told me this one time. They said, have you ever thought about that sometimes you're holding on so tightly to something that your hands aren't free to actually receive what God wants to give you? And so do we actually hold on to what is actually good? He goes on. He, he kind of doubles down. He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, right? Never be lazy. Millennials, never be lazy. I'm just kidding. Never be lazy. (laughs) But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And he says this. He says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. 
This thought came across my mind a couple years ago. I'd heard it somewhere and it just stuck with me. And it's this idea that like, you know, when you ever see somebody and like, you know, they're needing some help or they're needing to post and, and I do this all the time. So make sure you're going to say I'm the biggest hypocrite of all. I'll say like, I'm praying for you. Well, here's the thing. You might be the answer to somebody's prayer because all of us are like, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Um, you might actually be able to be the hands and feet in Jesus and step into that situation and help that situation and help that person, right? Because it goes back to earlier. Don't pray that God will feed all the children in the world when you and I are throwing out food every week. Don't, don't pray that God's going to meet the needs of this person when you and I are trying to figure out what we're going to do with our extra money because it's tax season and we got some more money back, right? Or paid more. I don't know how it works this year, right? But are you ready to actually help people? And then it says this, I know this is hard, but it says, always be eager to practice hospitality. We were at a conference this week and there was a whole session on just hospitality and how it's become a lost art of just this idea of welcoming people into your home and into your lives and sitting around table with each other and just being able to, to meet people and to offer and to serve them. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. And pray that God will bless them. Love your enemies. And I realize that's hard to, to hear and, and it's a hard one to, to, to swallow, but, but this is the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus did. Be happy with those who are happy. Um, I, you guys, you see me on Sunday mornings and, um, you know, you see a version of me and I try to be the same as I am everywhere, um, but I'm an introvert and I'm also cynical. I don't know if you picked up on that sometimes or not. Um, so happy is probably not always the, the word people would use to describe me, all right? Um, but I love this because it's been brought to my attention and it's fair. Like we as people just need to celebrate more. Like life is good. And I know there's hard things, but it's also good. And, and what's interesting to me when I see this verse is be happy with those who are happy. Um, sometimes the reason that we can't be happy with others is because we want to be happy and it's their happiness and we want it for ourselves. And so that's selfishness, by the way. Um, but we also have to learn to celebrate with other people. Um, it's interesting to me, the picture we see over and over again about what heaven's going to be like one day is a party. It's a banquet. It's a wedding feast. And so we have to learn to celebrate with each other and weep with those who weep. I did a funeral yesterday for, for a, a, a family in, in the, um, that attends our church. And, and whenever I do funerals, I always bring up this idea of sitting shiva. And sitting shiva is this Jewish practice where when someone goes through something hard, like um, you go to their house and you just sit with them. And you just sit. If they want to talk, you talk. If, you wanna, if they don't want to talk, you don't talk. People always ask me, you know, when I walk into these scenes where hard things are happening and I get invited to them, um, you know, there's always this pressure to like say the right thing and to like do the right thing to make people feel better. And what I've learned over the years is people really don't care what you have to say. All they care about is your presence, that you're there. And so we have to learn to weep with those who weep. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other. And I wrote in my notes when I was working on it, I said, why are we so bad at this? It feels like we just, as people, as a culture, and I don't know when it started or how it started, but we just, we don't do this. We can't even live in harmony with our spouse who we love, 
right? And our children, much less our neighbor and our brother and our sister. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And, and when I read this, I didn't really understand what Paul was trying to say in this section. But then I thought about it and I said, here's what we do. So we live in this culture where it started when we were like kids. Like we want to be around the popular people and the influencers. What is an influencer? It's the dumbest thing that's ever been created. Just sorry. But we want, it's just, it's so flipping stupid. So, um, Sorry. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. So let me use it before I get in trouble. Here he says this. He says, there are no ordinary people. Do you realize that? You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilization, they are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. They come and they go. But because of the way we've been created and we believe that we exist even beyond this, But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. And then he says this one. This is just for you guys. He says, don't think, verse 16, sorry, and don't think you know it all. Because you don't. Never pay back evil with more evil. See, the problem with paying back evil with evil, and we've talked about this before, the problem with feeling like we have to get revenge is revenge is never equal, right? It's never like you did this, so I'm going to match it exactly to the T, right? It's, you know, you took my Skittles, I stabbed you in the shoulder, right? And now you got to, it just doesn't work. And, and so don't do it. it. says, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable, I don't know when it became out of fashion to live an honorable life, but it seems like it has. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I think if most of us in this room, if we just took that last verse and we just applied it, and that was the only thing we looked at in the mirror every morning. And see, when we do these things, here's what you understand. And here's why I think it's important that we go over that list is, when you do these things, um, not only are you investing in yourself, but you're investing in the world around you. You're investing in something bigger than you. And I think when we look at that list, it's hard to look at because when I look at that list, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with most of those things. But again, it goes back to the mirror, right? If I feel like that you know, that something doesn't look right on my face or if something needs to be trimmed or a pimple needs to be popped or my eyebrows need to be done or my hair needs to be did or, you know, if I need to, if I need to put on something, you know, a little bit more flattering. That's why I wear black all the time, right? Just so you know, there's my secret. And so, uh, you know, I look at these things and, and I'd fix them. And so when we look at that list and we're sitting there and we're going and I'll be the first one to say, I, I don't do well at those things. And yet I say I'm a follower of Jesus. And so we're investing in ourselves, but we're also investing in our world. And here's what I love what E.N.T. Wright says about this whole idea. He says, you are not restoring a great painting that shortly is going to be thrown into a fire. So nothing we do is temporary. Everything we do is building the eternal. You're not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange though it may seem, almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. And here's the list we just went over. Every act of love, 
gratitude and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings or for that matter one of the fellow non-human creatures, as of course every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption and makes the name of Jesus honored in this world. All of this find its way through the resurrected power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. That is the logic of the mission of God. So when we do this, when we look in the mirror and we look at the word and we see ourselves, see, here's what I'm convincing myself of. I have to convince myself of this. Um, but it's where I'm at. I am convinced that being generous is a better way to live. Greed doesn't work. I'm convinced forgiving people and not carrying around bitterness is a better way to live. I'm convinced having compassion is simply just a better way to live. I'm convinced that pursuing peace in every situation, even when it's hard, is a better way to live. And I'm convinced listening to the wisdom of others is a better way to live. And I'm convinced being honest with other people, but maybe more importantly, being honest with myself is simply a better way to live. I'm also convinced that listening to the words of Jesus and taking them seriously, even though it may be hard to take a look at myself in the mirror, um, it makes me better at life. I believe that it makes me a better husband, a better father, a better neighbor, a better brother, a better friend better pastor. And I think some of us, we get hung up on the word obey. Like nobody likes that word. But, but here's what I would say. If you loved you the way that God loved you and not just you, all of the other yous around you, and you saw the way that we treat each other, the way we hurt each other, the pain and chaos we cause not only for our brothers and our sisters, but the pain and chaos we cause in our own life, wouldn't you want to give them some insights on how to be happier and healthier and whole, on how to create stronger, healthier relationships, on how to create healthier marriages and healthier relationships with our kids and our family and our community. And so I think if we all did this, we would be better. But here's the flip side of that coin that we'll talk about later. Um, As Christians... We're supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And I think where we are at culturally, and maybe even for some of us in this room, is, is we're tired of people talking a big talk. I don't know if you know this, but actions trump words every time. And so for some of us, you know, we've been called to do things a certain way and to take even that list we went over today and to actually apply those things in our life. And it's not because we have to obey or you're going to burn one day. It's because that's what Jesus did. And we've chosen to follow Jesus. And I think the world is tired of knowing what Jesus was like and then looking at us and being like, that's not working. So every day I wake up, And I look in the mirror. The question is, what do I see? The question is, who do I see? Because the beauty of being a follower of Jesus is not only the grace and the mercy that we receive, but it's also the opportunity every day to start anew. 
Every day we have a choice on the people that we're becoming. And every day all of us have the choice on the world that we're investing in. We can invest in the way of the world. Or we can take seriously the things that James and Paul and even Jesus say. And we can transform ourselves. We can become new by the renewing of our mind. And not giving in to the ways of everything we see. And every day we're investing in our lives. But also the lives around us. And here's the question. What kind of world do you want to see? And I think it starts with us. And so... None of us in this room would wake up, look in the mirror, and be like, yeah, that'll do. And so James says, if you wouldn't do that like with your looks, why would you do that with your life? And so the question that we all need to wrestle with, the tension that Jesus poses and the tension I think James poses is, what do you see? And what do I see? Let's pray.